Hello, and welcome to Dad and Sons, yeah. your, your number one one-stop shop for for paternal, pristine, provisional needs. We're we're here wow. to hook you up and help you out. Uh, who who are we? You you ask. I hear you, inquisitive, uh, uh, young young, curious viewers wanting to know. Well, I'm George. Uh, we we're also um um Liam. I'm Liam. And and we're also Matt. I'm I'm Matt. And that's um pretty much all, right? It yeah. That's that's all we are this week on um <laughs> on the on the dad cast. <laughs> the, the dad and sons. Yeah, Don't definitely all dads this week. Definitely. We're, we're a little we slow. Like right. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say we're a little so we're a little slow. Yeah. We're we're a little slow. We're doing it a little later in the week. Uh, uh, waking up early on a different day than we are used to, um, which is which is why I I I think this, uh, this 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 dream daddy DLC train wreck of a podcast that we have together is um, <laughs> slowly lumbering its way towards video game topics. Uh, Brought to you by Gold Bond. <laughs> and and. Uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Uncle Pappy's Prune Juice Incorporated. Um, is there any, are there any topics that that we can we can dive right into here that we can start yeah. us off with? Yeah, we we need something to get us going, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause I oh oh is, Liam, you got one? Cause well, no, when, I was if say, you guys don't, I, mean, I I I got a good one. I was gonna say we are the Dad Podcast, we are the Sons Podcast, but we're also the Metal Gear Solid Podcast. Oh oh yeah yeah yeah, can't we, forget we, to mention and, that. We are truly the Metal Gear Solid podcast. So I think, I think what better way to kick off the Metal Gear Solid podcast than George, you, tell us all about your week. Yeah, <laughs> I like how George oh put boy. something on top of Metal Gear on the dot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so um in 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 the spirit of always having some Metal Gear thing to talk about, I'll I'll have everyone know I did play some Metal Gear thing. For for a lot of uh, this week, so so Metal Gear Survive has a beta that it's out and it's okay. Um, it's basically a little uh, handful of co-op horde mode missions. The game is supposed to be a big single-player sandbox with multiplayer elements incorporated into it, and. In the beta that they released, you have just the multiplayer mode, none of the single-player sandboxing with multiplayer incorporated into it. It is all a pure multiplayer horde mode um, um, chaos mm. festival. Uh, unlike Metal Gear Solid Five, Metal Gear Survive is clearly not a stealth game. You, you sprint to kill as many enemies as possible with as few items and equipment as possible using a system of menus that are tacked onto many buttons on your controller that allow you to construct defenses that can be very comical and fun to play with. Uh, one item is an oil slick. You put this on the ground. It causes both humans and Zambambos to uh, trip their way down to the other end of whatever oil slick you have placed, which can include any number of other objects that you can play, such as uh, a little uh, tuffle, of a bush, if you will, of barbed wire, mm. um, um, spinning rotating blades, uh, uh, pressure point balloon traps that snare the Zambo's legs onto a balloon that, that leads them kind of like hovering in the air upside down wondering what they're supposed to do next. It's it's, it's just very, very, you know, comical. Um, 
and uh, your, your, your basic walls and barricades and whatnot, all of which are really fun to play with, believe it or not. You know, yeah, believe it or not, right? That's like the key, the key suffix to end that thought. Believe it or not, making a giant rotating spinning blade uh, a slip and slide death trap for zombies can actually be fun in a, like, Gary's Mod Physics sandbox kind of way. And, um, working together with your, your multiplayer teammates to make sure that everyone has, like, the right equipment um, hooked up to the right slot and that everyone is funneling these zombies into their wacky death traps is where a lot of the fun of this game can be had. It's uh, it's just plugged into that grind, you know. Can you uh, build a Metal Gear? That's the true I question. Actually, well, um, how? Yeah, yeah, because you you've played through uh, Peace Walker, yes, right? In, in V, have. where like you quote unquote build a Metal Gear, but it just kind of like it's like a menu thing, like like it's a resource sink. Yeah. And I, I did not manage to accomplish it, but apparently you can get a Metal Gear Ray running around the, the like, what? foggy um, um, resource recycling asset flip Afghanistan map they're using. Yeah, I, I, from what full I've seen size. from the screenshots, it looks, it looks like it's an AI opponent. Right, full size. Metal Gear Ray just running around the map causing trouble. I don't know if you can pilot it, though. Uh, Metal Gear Survive. I'll look it up though. They they have some vehicles around. You got some some walkers, just like they were in MGS Five. The thing that's still kind of strange to me is how. Yeah, I see it. How, oh my god, that's weird. Oh, yeah, it's. But it's, no one it's gets it's the pilot. There. So it's no, just it's, like it's a... an AI enemy by the looks of things. Oh, it's a, it's an enemy. It's not even like. No, no, it helps you. It's like the strong. Oh, oh, oh no, oh, it's mind. an AI buddy. Nope. Nope, it's okay. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. He's he called it. He called it, and it helped them like defeat the monster. So 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 yeah. The, the me metal gears are there. They they can teleport in and out of the map, but they're AIs uh, that that help you out. It looks like no mm -hmm. clue if they're they're AI enemies. But yeah, um, that's kind of lame that you can't pilot it. Yeah. Even if it was like snakes, smash ball. Special from yeah. Smash Bros. Brawl, yeah, where you can at least fire rockets from a helicopter or from the top of Metal Gear Ray or something, or Rex. That would be fun. That's a little when, weird. When, when are you supposed to pilot the Metal Gear? The, the, I, I know, the games are called Metal Gear. It, it, it can be confusing, but they're usually about blowing up the Metal Gear. No, no. Oh, come on. The One of the <laughs> best parts of Metal Gear Solid 4 is fucking fighting Liquid in a Metal Gear. Come on. Since when yeah, does yeah. any of this make sense? Since so it doesn't make not sense. fighting in a giant mech. Like, it doesn't make sense at all. Are you trying to put logic in Metal Gear right now? At, at Metal Especially Gear Survive, right now. that's where you want to put logic in? The, it's so funny because this is like the most blatant, transparent uh, uh, concept for like an asset flip spinoff. Um... So, there's been some statements released by the game's producer, who is a longtime Metal Gear producer who's been with, with the series since the beginning, who's been with Kojima since the beginning. Um, the, the producer has been like, why, why is everyone mad? It, it, why everyone have to be mad? It's only game. Um, <laughs> there's some interviews pointing out that this release does actually fall in line with the uh, like typical year or two later Metal Gear re-release that explores the latest game in the franchise. Like You had uh, integral subsistence and substance uh, before the internet. After the internet, they decided to um, make online modes to release six months to a year after launch. 
but with this game, they'd actually decided to make a real game out of their spinoff cycle. Thing is, is that this is not attached to a complete Metal Gear Solid V, which the other year or two later spinoff re-releases did. It's also tackling a genre and a style that doesn't really seem that close to the heart and soul of the franchise. Like, I started off this whole segment by saying it's certainly not a stealth game. It's really not. To the point where it's going for a style of combat and gameplay that the engine and animations are not made for. Metal Gear Survive wants you using melee. Even when you go ham in Metal Gear 5, like, even when you really go balls to the wall, or MGS4 for that matter, and you do a lot of action stuff, the, the way the game feels tactically in your hands doesn't match up with that kind of motion. Like, Snake moves kind of sluggishly on purpose to sort of yeah, sneak your way slowly. So it's, the, it's a snelth game, a sneaking game, a snelth. Yeah, I was going to say, it, I can't imagine that feeling good. That's why I never truly got on with like Metal Gear Online. Because you weren't able to react Yeah, because it plays enough. like a fast shooter. And, yeah. and your control scheme was like... It a was it was a stealth control scheme. It was like the it was it was the perfect stealth control scheme with the perfect stealth animations plugged into like the perfect stealth rules and stealth system. And um whew, now I'm seeing footage of Metal Gear Ray attacking the player. I, I guess I guess they're just wild cards. But um so this is a fast paced zombie shooter where you're using your stealth game control scheme. And unlike MGS five, the controls here are actually a struggle. You have to point and shoot your melee weapons. You can't just press an attack button and have your character swing from a third person over overhead uh camera a la Dead Rising, you have to hold down an aim button and then start like strategically tapping the shoot button that that makes your swings happen at precision points at a crosshair locked into the center of the camera with a, a kind of behind the shoulder viewpoint that's not good at conveying distance. I had a hard time juggling distances for the whole beta during the whole time. And it wasn't like, it, it wasn't I eventually got used to it, but it meant that I was not really able to smack and whack these zombies. Like, the sheer amount of zombies coming in seemed like I should have been doing. Like, like the game's engine and controls and animation do not seem built for the amount of zombies they want you hacking and slashing your way through. Because the individual hacks and slashes are, like, time-consuming precision motions. So is it... Is it... How would you uh, rate the uh, oncoming zombie amount? Would it is it like Dynasty Warriors Warrior game Muso level, or is it more like a Gears of War Horde mode level? I'd say Gears of War Horde mode. Okay, so they're, they're it, pretty it, spaced it, you, out. At its craziest, you could probably cram. I want to say thirty to forty enemies on screen at once. So like that's, a classroom. That's still a lot. Mm-hmm. That's still quite a bit. It, it is it is a lot it is a bit but it's no like dead rising crowd like like they didn't they're not showcasing crowd tech as part of this game's uh uh appeal what it, what it seems instead is a very very confused attempt at giving MGS5 more gameplay which it sorely needed i just doubt anyone expected this to be the uh gameplay repackaging spin-off that MGS5 did sorely need. Okay. Okay. And, and I mean, it's okay. It's not... It's not... 
I I mean, the beta was not offensively terrible. I'm sure what's going to happen is it's going to come out. It's going to be better than, than people give it credit for. Six months to a year after launch, they're going to up the microtransaction, uh, uh, either cost price rate or drop lower the drop rate to the point where opinion reverses and everyone decides they hates it again. So it's not going to be... It's not going to be a massive spin-off surprise like Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle then. It's more going to be like, no one liked this to begin with, not many people are going to like it anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. going to be like the confused, bad spin-off where, where they technically execute okay on an idea that just doesn't fit the brand and the franchise and, and doesn't play well on, on the game that they chose to spin off with. It just like, kind of looks like more Metal Gear Online, but with like a horde mode. That's how it and, feels. And even Metal Gear Online could have used like a big redesign. Like, like you totally could lock one team to that game's awful FPS mode and the other team to third person and have like a poor man spies versus Merc that actually plays like a multiplayer stealth game. The thing, Metal Gear Online just plays like a cheap Call of Duty. Seriously, where the fuck did they go from here then? So we've had the Metal Gear Solid 3 Pachinko Machine, and now we're getting Metal Gear Survive. It's like, does Metal Gear recover from this? Do we have faith? Do we yet have I'm a, a mobile game. cell phone? A, Ooh. a gacha? Ooh. A, gacha, oh, a, 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 mo a mobile gacha Metal where you Gear can get gacha. Like, multiple different snakes and different cute bunny bunny but, outfits but, at Easter and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, like Matt. Uh, <laughs> Easter <you're>, snake. <laughs> it's so, it's so tempting. <laughs> it's so tempting to want to believe that there can at least be one more good Metal Gear game in the world, and I don't know if it's going to happen. I hope they do one I, more I game, think this is, and, it, I, and it's like a total dumpster fire. Just, <laughs> just destroy the name. I mean, it. this might, like... So, wow. impressions from the beta, for myself included, seem to be like, eh, well, it's better than I expected. But, um, I... <laughs> That's that's literally like my impression, basically. I'm just like, yeah, well, at least it's not a total dumpster fire. Uh, um, but I have a feeling that in a year, this game will become a, gum a dumpster fire. Like all they have to do is change the prices internally, and and they can ruin survive extremely easily. Like there, when you die, there were pop ups in the beta that were like, "Would you like to use one of your survival syringes now?" Oh, no. With with like survival syringes remaining six, oh. and then you log in for the day, and a pop up's like, "Here you go. Here's your daily survival wow. syringe." Konami really can't help themselves, can they? All they really? have to do is like change that daily drop rate. For this system, it's plugged into the internet that the play this economy that the player has no control over, to uh, turn this thing into an extremely unfair pay-to-win grind grindfest train wreck. Like like let it die. It reminds me a lot of Let It Die, where we're like the simple fun of bashing zombie enemies with satisfying feedback gets plugged into this really weird game logic grind where you're like farming different multiple floors w w with a with this elevator for like spawn rates of a, of a mushroom that will or will not appear i saw piano wire appear 
in a pile of crafting junk in this map once, and I'm like, okay, I know that at some point in my life, if I play through this game, they're gonna want me to find piano wire, and it's gonna be like finding a needle in a haystack in this map that's gonna get me searching for half an hour to an hour for some text-only piano wire that is just a percentage variable that does not exist in the world, just in the menus. You know, it's that sort of thing. You can tell that this game is built for that sort of thing from the ground up. How much does this game rely on online play? And if it doesn't sell very well and there is barely any online players, like Metal Gear Online has traditionally had, it's never been like the most popular of online games, how fast will it die? Or is like it mostly single player? You might be surprised to know that the very first night I tried playing the beta, I pressed the quick find an online match button. Ten minutes later, I'm finally in the actual <laughs> match. Jesus. Oh, oh no, Matt, can I get a can I get a can I get a traditional Matt visual? Oh no. Oh no. Oh, there we go. Oh no. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna be well, a waste at least of your it money. wasn't that. At least it wasn't wow. a total train wreck. And that was the beta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. no. Mm. I played, I played a bit of the Monster Hunter beta, and everything worked like it was intended to work. The game looked beautiful. It played beautiful. It played like Monster Hunter, but with with better graphics and like slightly better gameplay. And and it found a match, and it it just worked. And then I I spent I played just like one quick tutorial monster round of that, and then spent hours of my life playing Metal Gear Survive. And like the menus are half implemented. It, it had a real hard time finding other players. The game itself was this disappointing compromise of of trying to make the the much needed spin-off of MGS5 the world needs while also uh uh succumbing to these trends that have no place in the series like zombies and base building crafting uh man you know when they made metal gear acid when they made um uh when they made big shell evolution skateboarding and when they made Metal Gear Rising, they made new engines with, with new control schemes and new animations. And this is a, a legit non-stealth Metal Gear spin-off game that does not have that level of effort put into it. Like, like the Metal Gear series has been non-stealth before, but it hasn't been an asset flip sequel that's non-stealth. Like, like Snake vs. Monkey is a uh, asset flip stealth themed Metal Gear minigame that they included in the spin-off re-release. This is this is a a shooter. Very 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 much like a zombie bash and melee slash and shooter at all, does it? It's just Yeah. They've got nothing else going. I don't like later think... on you unlock special melee attacks that that are pulled off fine with like a, a button combination you input the camera pulls back it shows your slash overhead so you can get a gauge for the distance that you're swinging and you still have to like do it during a sprint wind up while holding down the aim button while pressing the fire button at a certain point during this wind up this like elaborate control method required for so you can't pulling do, like, off a, a comboing cqc on like 50 zombies where you just breeze through them doing all sorts of dis yeah yeah disabling you, you... cqc moves you get a basic three-hit combo, but it's 
punch it, punch kick to the knees to punch punch kick to the crosshair in the center of your frame <laughs> like it's it's not built for crowd control the melee engine does not seem built for wide swing crowd control and that's what you need that's 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 what you need here well speaking of better betas then <clears throat> as of about three hours ago the uh embargo for monster hunter world actually did lift i don't know if you both saw that oh uh if you're transferring games uh uh, this Dad and Sons podcast is brought to you by the Shower Grab Bar uh, for the dads who just need some stability in the shower. All right, go ahead, Liam. <laughs> uh, thank you for that very helpful message. Yeah, the infomercial master. Um, yeah, so the embargo for uh, Monster Hunter World lifted. Uh, uh, Don't if you've seen the scores, guys. I am just now looking at them for the first time. Um, it seems we like got some World is perfect. Like really pretty good. fucking hot. Yeah. Pretty U.S. Fucking Gamer hot. has it at lots, 5 out of 5. Lots of, lots of nines. Lots IGN of nines. has it at a 9.5. Game Informer, 9.5. I want the PC version. Why does it always have to take so long? <laughs> Ah, Destructoid, 9 out of 10. They want you to have moved into your new naked apartment by then so you can stream it naked. Yeah, but how... Isn't it going to take, like, months? Months? I think it's autumn 2018, they said. Autumn. Not even summer. Autumn. Just give me a freaking month. Autumn. So did you guys give it a a twirl the past couple weeks when the beta was up? I purposely avoided it because I just want to yeah. go into it when it comes out this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be playing with some people who worked on it as well, so that's oh, going to be fun. Oh. That's going to be just, fun. Just uh, swinging that dick around, huh? Oh, you know it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm super. I'm actually super proud on a personal note because a lot of my good friends who live up in Osaka who actually work at Capcom have been fucking working nonstop around the clock to get Monster Hunter World sorted for its yeah, January like, release. Like, it, you I, know, it was only announced at last E3, and now it's coming out in less than a year. So those guys have been busting their balls for, like, I, the better half I of six I gave months. it a twirl, and and I, I have, like, no complaints with what I saw. I have some friends who have complaints, but I don't think I played it enough to really develop enough to criticize it. But I played it enough to just be like, wow, holy crap. A, this game's bloody gorgeous. B... All of the, like, features from the DS games that I was concerned about are there. C, in addition to being plugged into this, like, really cool Witcher-style system, where you have to, uh, like, like use your Witcher senses to track the monster down. Um, do you guys know about this stuff? No. Um, so, there's a, there's a tracking system in it now. You have to, like, Oh, yeah, find yeah, yeah. I did know about the, it, yeah. The, the monster like leaves behind droppings and like scratch marks and footprints and, and you walk like, up to them and press like a button and look for... Is it like visual hormones or something? Or like a smell that you can track as well? It's it's visual. It's it's magic fairy pixie dust that flies from like one footprint to the next. And it's like playing The Witcher 3 with a uh, mod installed to make The Witcher senses a little more difficult. <laughs> Sorry, I, I got excited. You like, um, you don't hiccup. I hiccup. You uh, press a button and examine a footprint or piece of uh, piece of poop that you find with your eyes and i believe that makes the other ones subtly glow and it's up to you to kind of like squint through the foliage and search them out they don't mark them on your mini map 
and the big complaint I had from a friend of mine was that in the beta, the monster keeps spawning in the same spot anyway, so you don't have to track it down. But one of uh, the things that I find so compelling and soothing about like the Monster Hunter loop is that um, opening section where you're running through the forest looking for the monster. And, and they, they seem to have added a lot to that part of the ritual that, that fleshes it out, makes it a lot more immersive with, with like mechanical systems like that that, that dig into the... F- I, I like this being change. A monster hunter. I like this change because I used to really hate running around for maybe the first ten minutes trying to find where the monster is, mm-hmm. and then using the paintball or the the sort of marking. oh, that's the stuff I like. Maybe I just no, haven't no, gotten because, tired because of it you yet. Would, you'd paintball it and then it would run away or something. Yes, uh, yeah. and then sometimes your paintball would run out, and it would be in a different zone, and oh. you'd have to find it again. <clears throat> oh, the the zones are all connected it. now too. So I kind of like this tracking system where you have to sort of look, but you always sort of have a a sense of where the monster is or where you're going. And I yeah. like the fact that obviously now there's no loading screens and it's kind of an open world. So it definitely feels more natural tracking something through some forest or yeah. through to different zones than yeah. you know through loading screens. It, I, I'm, I'm hoping to basically. Oh, <laughs> there is a character in the uh, prefab loadout select screen when you're customizing your character who basically looks just like Geralt. But I am basically hoping to like uh, uh, RP this thing as like living out my Witcher three E3 demo fantasies <laughs> of having like systems of tracking down and 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 hunting monsters be be more fully represented and explored than ever. And uh, like, like really immersing myself in the woods, you know, um, um, covering myself in, in, in smelly things so, so that I'm one with nature as I like step on top of a tree and, and stay there for two hours waiting for it to walk by. That's the kind of fantasy I want in my video games. We should, um, we the dads or the sons should round up some other sons or dads and we should all play some Monster Hunter together. Have some sons. So, what's the cap? What's the cap on the on the monoplane? It's the four, level isn't cap. It? Okay. Oh, oh. So, what platform do you guys want to pick? I want uh, PS4 right now. Well, I heard. I heard. <laughs> are, some, we, are we, some are we hype scheduling? For PC. Are we scheduling for October now? Or oh, is that how long we gotta wait for PC? Yeah, autumn Holy 2018 crap. is what they said. Oh my wow, god! Wow, that's a while. That's a long time to wait for this. I've been Matt, wanting to jump you... into this ever since I saw. I was like, "Oh my god, open world! What?" Matt, it's your own fault for getting your PS4 stolen. It is my fault, you know. I shouldn't have left my door open for him to just, you know, come in and just. <laughs> steal if it. only I you mean, had teleported I mean, sense, at home right? in time to <laughs> confront the armed intruder. <laughs> well, come inside, steal my stuff, please. Overturn all my bookshelves. Please. I was only planning on playing yeah. Monster Hunter on it. God, it's not that much of an inconvenience, is it? That's why I never got to play Bud- Bloodborne. That's why. That's why. And it was nothing that, to do with me being scared of the game at all. That's more of a tragedy than actually being robbed. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking Bloodborne. <laughs> Bloodborne's so good. Uh, yeah, it look. Oh my god! Every time my friend forces me to play when I come over his house, it just looks so good. It looks so Yo, good. Yo, there are transforming trick weapons sometimes with guns duct taped on in Monster Hunter World. Yeah, yeah. Well, now you have two reasons to buy a PS4, Matt. Yeah. Instead of looking for like naked apartments, just buy a PS4. Live in a cardboard box. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. so 
I guess. I guess so. If you guys do get it for PS4, maybe I'll I'll snatch it. So, so a lot of um a lot of two really good games just came out. We've like already hit the two game of the year contenders for 2018, and January's not over with. Monster Wait, Hunter are we World. Are talking about Metal Gear Survive here or what? No, no, no. Monster <laughs> Hunter World and uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Oh yeah, because Fighters got good review scores Fight, too. Fighters. Well. Yeah, God I don't know I if I want to call it tomorrow. Is it Fighters or Fighters? It's. It was a. Fi- I saw it on Twitter today. It's officially not Fighters Z. It's Fighters. Okay, so we're gonna call it Fighters. Yes, I believe that's what Bamco Namco want everyone to call it. How should we accentuate the Z? Well, you just say fighters. But 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 how are how are the viewers at home who are viewing the podcast with their eyeballs gonna know that's a Z? Well, you gotta do be you know like of any zazzy of the Dragon about Ball it. games coming out right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you put that in there, it will pop up. When did Xenoverse 2 come out? That was like a year ago. I, yeah. There's likely not going to be confusion. I mean, you you don't get me wrong. I'm well, just, that one's I'm called just... Xenoverse, which is a you know a made up word, so <laughs> it shouldn't be. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> We're talking but, uh, about the Dragon Ball game with the big Z at the end. You know, Dragon so, Ball Z. <laughs> so is that not out yet? Because the reviews are out. It's um, no, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, Super as we're recording duper. this, yeah. as you're hearing it, it comes out the same day this podcast does. And 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 I know you plan on getting it in uh, in yes. Japan, right? Are, are you going to get the? Uh, are you going to get it in Japanese or going to get no, a different version? Because the Japanese release comes out next Tuesday, and I don't want to wait a whole weekend. So I put oh, the, the digital version in English on the PSN store. Thanks to a very kind one, George Weedman, paying me early. Oh, oh, no worries, no worries. Oh, hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute, did someone cut the brother out? Is is that what's going on right now? Live on the podcast, uh, no less. What What is the type of stuff you guys just say? You know, uh, you know all right. Do you know why, you, Matt, Matt, right. do you know why you, you, you don't hear about this? Because mm-hmm. you're always in the dentist. Okay, you know, all right. <laughs> I, obviously, we need some more money. So uh, the next sponsor is um, the Grip and Grab Reach Tool for the dads who, you know, are <laughs> just a little bit too lazy. You know, you don't have to be elderly to, to need this one. You know, the bag of chips, like the, the beer claw? is a little bit too far. There you go. Is it like a claw? It is like a claw. And there's a gun oh on God. the other side. You hold the gun part. <laughs> and the claws and to, on the other side, and to, and to activate the claw, you you just pull, you the, pull trigger. the trigger. <laughs> so 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 is this is this to help out for for your egg hunt? For when you get like a hard to reach little. Yeah, while I'm eating my fruit, little, fruity little pebbles, and I see grab. some hairy hairy balls. Um, You're eating your fruity pebbles, and you see your fruity pebbles. And I was like, oh, I I need some I need some eggs with this bacon over here. Um, okay. <laughs> and just grab one of his eggs. Yeah. So stepping away, stepping away from the the wonderful games that are coming out the the coming weekend, um, George, you have been pining at us in the Discord chat for this whole week to oh. finally get to talk about a movie you watched. Wait, I. But so, did anyone see this movie film with me? I did not get a chance to see it. 
God damn it. <laughs> I have not okay. seen it because it hasn't come out in Japan yet. Real talk. This might be something we want to wait on until we have more than one of us having watched it. Okay, I you, will watch you it. Should, you should give us. You should give us a a quick lowdown. Okay, are we fans of the room in here? I like. Well, them. we're not fans. We've watched it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Of all the I movies I've scene. seen in my life, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I think I've seen the room more than like any others. And no, like I I legit am a fan of the room. I I enjoy the room. I enjoy participating in in the uh, the the cultural zeitgeist that is the confusion the, the confusion the 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 emotional roller coaster that is the room the room conveys emotions in a way that not many movies do and it does it completely unintentionally and it's goddamn hilarious i do like and i do like being someone who has who had watched the room before the the disaster artist book came out yeah so you kind of can understand how it's got to this point i think disaster artist book was so good after the book kind of maybe don't understand just why this has happened, this weird cultural phenomenon around The Room. Mm. But if you watched The Room before anything else and you just watched it as a bad movie, yeah. it's so fucking surreal yeah. and so just unfathomable to explain as a movie. I saw, I saw The Disaster Artist this past week and it's... I'm pretty sure that the definitive Room experience is still just watching The Room a bunch and then audiobook by Greg Sestero, the disaster artist. Buy it on Audible, uh, uh, audible.com slash bunnyhop. Um, no, I, I actually, like, asked if I could do a, a, a product placement uh, sponsorship bit for... Oh, the goddamn drill in here is, is driving me nuts. There's construction in the other room. Um, I actually asked if I could do a product placement shout-out for the Disaster Artist uh, ebook as read by Greg Sestero, because it's so, it's so good. The book... Um, Okay, uh, uh, Matt, let's talk about this next week. <laughs> All right. Because <laughs> uh, I, I need a partner to, like, share with me the, the, the confusion of seeing this movie because I don't know if the movie really does the book justice at all and i feel like this is a very very familiar process that a lot of people who've read books and go into movies get where the book is this uh very very human complicated exploration of a relatable problem and the movie kind of turns it into fake hollywood archetypes who have less serious problems than real people when it's based off of a true story that that seems like it's it's got a lot of details that were too sensitive for easy, clean, whitewashed Hollywood movie storytelling to make through. It seems like they wanted to pull some punches because they don't want to victimize Tommy too hard because, A, they have to strike a deal with him to avoid, like, disparagement um, or, uh, or, or, or libel lawsuits. B, because they don't want to come off as being antagonistic towards uh, uh, Tommy Wiseau, who, who, I mean, popular quick assumptions would assume the guy is like a confused immigrant with brain damage. <laughs> However, at the same time, they still want to ham up the inspiring story of a confused immigrant with brain damage still succeeding in the most unlikely way, despite all odds. And that's where a lot of the like inspiring and uplifting, uplifting messages of the book comes from. Because like the book goes through theories about Tommy Wiseau's past. People still don't know for sure. But the book... Um, 
while while fully acknowledging that this guy's got his problems, also does not shy away from the fact that those problems manifest into a character who comes off as a complete asshole to other people. Whereas in yeah. the movie, he's more of a like quirkable, mysterious character. In the book, this guy is a rollicking force in people's lives. And and I feel like if the movie's version of Tommy Wiseau is a quirky, mysterious character, then they still ended up showing too much of Tommy Wiseau and 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 made him less mysterious and quirky than he could have been. And, and it's it's a hard balance to strike. I don't God. know if the movie really struck it, but when when Matt so gets bad, we can yeah, let's do a spoiler cast next week. If you guys are totally down, it would be really really fun. We could well, get a, like a. It doesn't come out in Japan, I think, until February. So there's ways. Yeah, you better, you better, better put on that. Uh, get, 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 practice your Google Foo, Grasshopper. Yeah. Oh, but you know, movie theater. You know, come on. I want to. I don't know. You might be able VPN to uh, set yourself up with a, a like rental Amazon thing somewhere. I don't know if the movies made it through through those circles of digital distribution yet, but I will admit there might be a legit surrounding this whole thing. And I watched a lot of the interviews and stuff because I was fascinated by the room anyway, and I enjoy James Franco's impressions of Tommy Wiseau. But the whole Golden Globes thing, where he didn't allow him to talk, was kind of shitty. Oh, like, oh, really? Something Tommy Wiseau did was kind of shitty. No, James Franco did to Tommy Wiseau. Oh, James, Fra- sorry, I, I actually like, did Tommy not Wiseau know was gonna talk, this controversy. And then James Franco just stopped him. And I mean, I get James Franco probably knows him and probably doesn't want to run the risk of Tommy Wiseau saying anything on the stage of the Golden Globes. Like maybe that's what happened. But at the same time, if you think about Tommy Wiseau. As a man who has spent his whole life wanting to make a movie mm. and become like famous, and obviously couldn't make it, so he did what a lot of people don't do when they give up. He just he did it himself, and he you know he's he somehow raised a crazy amount of money, made a film, paid for a billboard that stood in like L.A. for like eleven years or some shit, like mm-hmm. consistently. Like, he wanted it so badly that you can't even... I don't think anyone can fathom just how much it meant to him to be at the Golden Globes, let alone on the stage. Yeah. Like, that must have been, like, everything he'd ever dreamed of. And then he wasn't allowed to talk, which I kind of thought was a little shitty. Yeah, and I feel like that actually... It seems like James Franco wanted... Because you only have a limited time to talk up there. So he wanted all the minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Could have got in a few few words. Ten seconds. Ten seconds. Definitely. Yeah. That that sums up a lot of how I feel. This whole it does take you ten seconds to say a single word, though. So you know. Well, yeah. The whole project seems really patronizing. Like like it it reduces Tommy Wiseau's character and the appeal of the room into something that I think is much less complicated than what we've all gone through as fans of the room. Fucking goddamn it! I need to see it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I don't want to spoil the specifics, but it would yeah. be really fun too. <laughs> so, so what do we got for more video games? Have you guys played stuff? Uh, I spent a lot of this past week fucking crunching out a demo that I had to submit. Oh yeah, you're making a game for Bit Summit. Yeah. They got official rec- recognition by by Shuhei. Oh my God, that's that. That messed me up, man. 
What was um, that like? Uh, I don't know. Um, and also, don't... also explain explain for the listeners too. Yeah, so um, I've been sort of so I kind of uh, always wanted to get back into game development, I guess, since leaving Rockstar and stuff like that. Uh, but obviously, doing things on my own terms, <laughs> and you know, cue fire Rambo, behind him. Go my own way, which meant basically everything I ever forgot about programming, which was not much to begin with. Um, in the first place, I had to relearn, and I started experimenting with you know engines like people do with Unity and Game Maker and stuff like that. Uh, and then, like I think it was like early last year, I started just tinkering around with Game Maker, and I actually started really enjoying using it and making 2D prototypes. And I was experimenting for ages with this 2D prototype of a sort of game where you sort of change or your shape or your size or your color to like jump over different obstacles. Uh, but it's all very Japanese themed and it's based around a salary man, which is a typical Japanese office worker trying to get to work. So I was making prototypes for that game for fucking months and months and months and basically just using those prototypes to learn more and more about Game Maker. But it got to a point where I actually felt pretty damn good with Game Maker and like my ability to almost do mm. anything in the yeah, program. It feels the the jump that you got right now like actually feels better. The way the screen yeah. scrolls past, like feel everything feels a little better from the last prototype. And I bet there's a lot of little subtle changes I never would notice that you know yeah. all about. There's right so now. much stuff I've learned like about like game animation and um like, you know, making sure there are, there are sort of safety nets in place so the player doesn't do stuff uh, or it do the player doesn't die or fail to something that you can prevent, like hammering buttons and stuff like that. That I've learned over the past year with experimenting and stuff like that. And um, last year, I demoed this prototype, uh, Tokyo Indies, which is like a big indie sort of get-together in Tokyo ran by Alvin, who's a really cool guy. And... Um, it was really good, and the feedback was pretty cool and stuff like that. It was kind of my first exciting event as like a solo indie developer kind of thing. Um, but I didn't think it was very good, the prototype. Like, George, you remember it. It was very rough. Like I, was, I, I tried to be polite, though. Yeah, it was not great. It was not great. <laughs> Putting it out there. I, I, I tried to be constructive. Great. Yeah, he was polite, but also gave me like a whole fucking A4... Essay well, page. What, what I I'm wondering is um like all those little things I was talking about that like improved the game feel. Like what did yeah. you do to the screen scrolling? Um, if if anything, or is it just like an illusion because everything else feels better? I know you did a lot to this guy's jump. Yeah, and, so, and I'm interested in what subtle little changes manifest in like the big overwhelming like oh this feels better uh, that I noticed so I within ten seconds that of the no new prototype. No one can see what you're talking about. Yeah, so basically, oh, the yeah. game I'm making is uh, it's an endless runner where you have this little salary man guy and he he has to get to work. Obviously, it's an endless runner, so he'll unfortunately for him he's doomed for eternity to run in this <laughs> purgatory of Japan to get as far as you can. So the whole point is kind of Cannibal style to get as far as you can. But the whole idea is that he has a briefcase which can change colors. And you have to match the color of your briefcase by changing it to the the obstacles that appear in front of you that come and scroll across the screen. So it's a it's a auto-scrolling game. And then you jump over the obstacles and you do different types of he does different types of jumps that sort of gives him a sort of bit of personality and stuff like that. Um 
and you're like you're going through all the different Japanese seasons and there's a lot of like the Japanese festivals and the matsuris all the kind of things that make Japan Japan that I see as a foreigner that come through the game so the prototype I was making you could change his size to jump over the different blocks and that just didn't feel right like it made the jumping really awkward because you'd have like a small jump and a big jump and it just didn't mesh very well together so I took like two months where I just didn't even look at it I didn't do anything and then <clears throat> I was like working on prototypes for other games like puzzle games and um, I made this game where you, it was like a it was like a shoot 'em up game where if you got hit by different shapes you grew in size and the whole point was to basically hit the same size shapes and get into smaller holes and basically fit through the holes and that allowed me to sort of experiment with like stuff scrolling at 60 frames per second and making sure it felt really good and I started to realize that oh, running oh, at that speed and making it like really tight I could do that with the the, the salaryman game and then like make his jump feel like really snappy and um, so I started I basically remade the whole game the whole salaryman game and I started experiment with parallax scrolling kind of hinting back to like symphony of the night and games like that where it has really sweet parallax scrolling in the background and um, ended up making this prototype for the game again but it was turning out way better than I thought it was going to and uh, sort of some people played it and they said it felt really good so I was like oh you know I really like Bit Summit which is for anyone who doesn't know Bit Summit is this really big it's probably the biggest indie game festival in Japan in Kyoto it's very very beautiful and chilled out atmosphere with hundreds of indie developers and stuff like that I had such an amazing time there last year so I thought I'd give myself sort of a, an objective of submitting uh, the demo to Bit Summit um, for May. So I've been crunching really hard to get the demo ready, and to get some feedback, I gave it to George Matt to play a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you and you guys have been having a good old mm -hmm. chinwag about who could get the highest score, which has been lovely to watch. Oh yeah, Matt, I can Photoshop scores too. Oh, here it comes. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I was waiting for it. What is this, like like 12,000 me? That's like d double the high score I posted? Yeah, okay, that's know, a... Hey, you know, I, I got a little bit over your score and I was like, that's not good enough. You know, let me get back <laughs> oh, in my there God. and make sure I just trash on it. You know? Oh my God. <laughs> Um, oh, it's so it's been really cool to see people playing it for the first time because the one thing about game development for anyone who maybe has worked in game development when you play your game so much you have no objectivity you do not understand whether it's hard whether it's easy whether oh, it's yeah. whether it feels tight whether it is fun or not because you've just repetitively played it over and, and over again watching so, other people play your own game is like inevitably surprising oh my god so surprising and the feedback i've had from this demo has all been positive which is like what the shit like no one has played it for the the you know three months i've been making it and i have no i've played it so much that i have no idea whether it's good or not so like seeing you guys play it and like really enjoy it and have fun with it has been so cool but submitting it to bit summit so i submitted it the bit summit deadline was last sunday uh, but actually, they had a problem with their submission form, so they pushed it to this Sunday, which, you know, was a bit of a kick in the teeth considering how fucking hard I worked to get it ready. Um, <laughs> but I struggle, submitted though. it, and then I posted it on Twitter, and I don't know how he found it, but 
Shuhei Yoshida, um, Mr. Sony himself, the what what is his title? Like he's the head of the worldwide Sony Studios. He's he's something? the king of the Playstations. He's is, he's the king of the play he's the sweet yeah. small Japanese dude you see on stage at E three who speaks in a lovely cute English accent, um, announcing, you know, sweet ass PS four games and stuff like that. Uh, but um Yosh, what's it? What's he go by? His nickname, like Yos P or something, Yosh P, on Twitter. Um, anyway, he tweeted at me, and he was like, "I really like the name. I can't wait to play this at Bit Summit." I'm like, <laughs> "Uh oh, yeah, <laughs> now boy. it's got to be really good." Uh oh, on. oh boy, uh oh. Um, Yo, give me a, a, a little it, diaper, um, an adult give diaper, give also <laughs> sponsored. Giving it to George and Matt was fucking hard enough, let alone, like, Shuhei Yoshida playing it. Um, oh, God. Oh, God. Um, so, so this is kind of a, a completely off-topic tangent, but um, Matt's uh, uh, clearly blatantly uh, photoshopped high score here <laughs> of Liam's games reminds me of something actually going on. I, uh... I just saw this last night. I kind of forgot about it until just now when I mentioned it. But there's, like, game journalism happening. Um, I'm going to post this into the Discord. But for listeners at home, if you Google um, Todd Rogers Game Cheater on Google, you'll find some uh, articles about it. Basically, there is a YouTuber by the name of Apollo Legend who is going through some uh, accusations against... uh, a, a guy who has the highest scores of most of the retro competitive early game score com- uh, competitions from the early 80s during the, the like Atari and arcade ages. Uh, the guy's name is Todd Rogers, and he has suspiciously high scores on a lot of the games that he holds the records of to the point where some people have broken the games down, cheated at them using emulators, and still have their perfect cheat-assisted scores not match up to his. And this YouTuber goes down the list of like every game that cannot be played as good or as fast as Todd Rogers' scores suggest they are to uh, like like the nepotism around um, Twin Galaxies and, and the process they have of vetting these high scores and how they go through like uh, re- referees that are friends of Todd Rogers that have their own dodgy past of their own. I believe one of the guys who was in charge of verifying the scores is actually now in prison on on charges of um, child molestation. Whoa. It's a oh my God, really I thought you were deep say rabbit he was hole. In prison for like breaking video game scores, <laughs> like the most heinous of crimes. <laughs> no, a way more heinous crime. That that I guess the idea, and and I guess the the idea of what would make it relevant throwing into this kind of report is is that it's a, a, a signifier of, of poor judgment of character for someone who's supposed to be. Uh, verifying and holding up these official records. But yeah, no, Todd Rogers has Guinness World Records because of scores that evidently a huge chunk of the retro um, gaming community of enthusiasts believe are total bullshit. And it's really interesting and satisfying. I've seen the video. The, The evidence looks pretty good to me. I still wanted to like wait a day to see if any any big high profile rebuttals would come out poking holes in it and it seems like that's not happened so I'm going to 
I'm gonna mention this thing. I'm gonna retweet it. I really, I really like the endeavor that's going on here. It's, it's definitely a cause that seems eh, petty, but at the same time, just this is a guy whose reputation. I was gonna say, I reputation... wonder how many people care. Yeah, but like I said, this guy has a Guinness Book of World Records. Like he has gotten a lot of, um, if if not fortune, then at least like fame out of out of this endeavor. Like this is his attempt at leaving his legacy in the world even though they are old retro video game competitive score uh, yeah. records, they're still, like, something. Like, this is his attempt to live on, and it's not... He's not playing by the same rules as the rest of us do, and that's, I think, where where the importance lies. Like, like even though this is still a very, very niche topic that's only going to matter to a small community, like, there is justice to be served here, and that's satisfying. Um... So yeah, yeah, go, uh, that's, that's like my recommended YouTube video for the week. The biggest cheater in gaming history, question mark, uh, by Apollo Legend. Uh, feel free to, to check that one out. Um, is there anything else we, we gotta go through before other news topics? Because we got a few. Uh, no. And, unless somebody wants a Netflix no chill section. Well, what do we, oh, I want a Netflix no chill. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, that, you, that sounds no like, going like on? Um, all right. So <laughs> every night of my life anyway. <laughs> Lonely. Um, yeah. We, we, that email that he sent back. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, that guy was thrilled that we were talking about anime. Dookie yeah. Jim, we got you, buddy. I, we I got you. I thought he would take it so hard, but he seemed to, to really like us bashing him about him being lonely and watching anime. But anyway, he embraced it. He embraced <laughs> his dad and son's meme status. <laughs> we love you, dude. All right, so um, I guess um, I haven't watched the last Dave Chappelle uh, part, but the first the first three are pretty funny. I would say if you are not easily offended, if you're not, easily I was gonna offended. say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I should even say shade days. I mean, if, if you're not easily defend, uh, offended, and you you love Dave Chappelle from way back, you have some nostalgia because a lot of it will be nostalgia. Because um, I mean, uh, the show was just oh, show was so good back in the day. Um, watch Dave Chappelle. Uh, give that a try if you haven't watched it yet. I mean, <clears throat> come on. I've always had the most awkward of times trying to uh, consume Dave Chappelle really? branded media. It, yeah, it, I mean, you well, know, because the show was big, me, like. George. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, so the show the show was big, right? Like around two thousand three, two thousand four, right? Um, I I think around that time I would have been like thirteen or twelve. I, I and and I lived like in the suburbs of Georgia. The whole yeah, entire process was me just basically being like, "Am I allowed to laugh at this?" Yes. And then not knowing whether or not I I, I could laugh. The majority of and, people who watch Dave Chappelle are white. <laughs> I know, <laughs> he, like, but I'm not normal. At uh, on the Netflix Netflix special, like he makes fun of it. He's like, "Well, <laughs> if I offend the white people, I I." I I will uh, cut my my whole viewership and my house in half, you know, like every. But yeah, but so so like he left for a little while, right? Shortly afterwards. Yeah. On a when when there journey. was a spiritual journey, I, I I saw the Oprah special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I and, and I I vividly remember it because he described seeing a white guy on set laughing while filming the Chappelle show, but he said that the laugh seemed a little more sinister. <laughs> like like he said that the laugh struck him as is is this white guy on set was laughing at the 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 stereotype black characters who were hamming it up rather than laughing with them and i was just like sitting there like like awkward 14 year old like pasty white dork george in the georgia suburbs being like i don't know if i'll ever know if i'm allowed to laugh at this stuff or not (laughs) and i think i think that ethos is still with me to this day so if I if I got on Netflix and watched the new Dave Chappelle comedy specials, which which I guess means he's back. He he he's totally back. It, no, he, he's he been doing like spiritual journeys every New Year or something. Yeah, like, I think this is the second round. I don't know if he's going to do it again, yeah. but this is the second round. Yeah, so, so it, I, I guess pretty, he's like come yeah. to terms um, with yeah, uh, with. With the idea of, of some white people not getting the jokes good, whereas I'm just like, I don't even know if I want to, like, give it a sh- If I want to take the chances. Uh, all right, George. This is yeah, simple. It's simple. So Are you racist, okay. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know if you're racist, George? <laughs> Sometimes people find out way late in life. <laughs> you're racist. I don't um, want to be like, well, I have black friends, because that's what all the racists say. <laughs> that's exactly what all the racists say. <laughs> so I don't want to, like, go down that road, but at the same time, I also don't want to be like, oh, no, me, not at all. Because sometimes you don't know. <laughs> Do you hate Asian people, black people, Hispanics? Do you like, I don't understand. Well, I mean, I don't hate them, but sometimes, like, sometimes you don't know if you, if you like, are, are thinking of, 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 like, a stereotype, or sometimes you don't know if you make a judgment that might strike the others okay. is, is rude unless they're, like, around to ask, you know? You, you, you have some, some, some balls there with that self-awareness. Okay, okay. That's a fact. I try to be self-aware. That's the thing. Comment. I try to be yeah. self-aware. And yeah. I try to catch myself if, if, if I ever make a slip-up, you know? <laughs> And and I feel like like more people could uh could could stand to gain from that. But anyways, we were talking about whether or not I'd be able to laugh at Chappelle guilt free. I think I guess I answered you my are, own you question. Will never be guilt free. I mean, yeah, we're all we're all steadily discovering how much like like of a neurotic, self-doubting um, um, person I am here on the. <laughs> so, so do you think Dave Chappelle's comedy would appeal to neurotic, self-doubting white people? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I'd say give it a try. Give it a give, give it a try. You um, give the first episode a try and see if uh, see if you could last through it without feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> Report back to us with an essay next week. <laughs> I mean, it is rated TVMA. Like, like I might, I might like, need my mom around for that. Oh no! Wait, you... <laughs> that's right. Does Every that time I think about awkward. your parents, I think about that joke your friend made, saying like, "Oh, you don't know um, George's parents is black. He he was adopted." <laughs> and I was like, "What, George? You didn't? You never told me that." Oh, I. I lost my mind. I was like, That's what? why I'm so neurotic and confused. <laughs> no, really. It, it, it's, 
that that that's just a joke. Let's let's just let's just add that to um, canon, please. Let's let's really, let's keep the let's keep the listeners wondering about that one. <laughs> Dude, I'm sat here like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I never saw his know, pants, so I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll keep him guessing. We'll keep them guessing here on, it's like, on the dad and It's sons. like that scene from Psycho where, like, Bates' mother is sitting in the window. <laughs> it's like, is she real? Is she dead? Is George's parents black? <laughs> the, the, before like, the like break, I said, we can't, we can't answer the question. I'm not going to say by, yes or no. Um, the squatty potty bathroom toilet stool um, to give you that perfect arc, um, <laughs> you know, while pooping. Oh, my God. You know, avoids the, I know you know, the, the little perfect... smear that you get when you're on the toilet. I, I, what is that too? Oh, my God. I know, I know what the commercial is going to be so hard. <laughs> the following commercial has been modified for a mature audience. Hi, I'm Bradley Michael Farts. And my family's been in the poop business for over 30 years. That's why we invented the poop tube. The poop tube revolutionizes the pooping experience. It really works. Now you can stand up and poop like a man. And the poop tube is for kids, too. I'm BM Farts. My dad said I could sell the poop tube. My dad said I could sell the poop tube. Hello. And welcome back to uh, this mess. Um, <laughs> I believe we, we, we would have some scatological humor playing us out for the break. Some scatological humor playing us in during the break. But now we're going to hold back. We're going to be real squeaky clean and professional. Right, guys? R right. We're going to talk about EA, which is basically like scat anyway. Ah! <laughs> so, um... Well, this isn't like super bad EA news. It's it's basically a update from BioWare. They are planning a new Dragon Age to be developed after Anthem, their new IP project. If you remember, they had a um like secondary uh, team put together Andromeda. Mass Effect Andromeda was kind of a spin-off by a B team, not meant to represent the full power of BioWare at their maximum form. That's going to be Anthem. And by the sound of things, it seems like another Bioware spinoff, uh, Bioware spinoff, Dragon Age spinoff, might be um, in the works for release after Anthem. Uh, Carrie Wait, Hudson... it's not a spinoff. They, they, they've said it's like Dragon Age 4. Oh, so... okay. Well, that's well... what Jason's article said in mm -hmm. Kotaku. Uh, I'm looking at the PC Games in article. They have a quote from Carrie Hudson. They're already hyping up some details about it, saying it's going to be a uh, quote-unquote live experience, just Oh, yeah, that was the stuff they were of, saying. Yeah, yeah, they're using the word live this time to refer to a style of game design that allows for continued storytelling after the main story. Not word on if it's going to be plugged into a like online ecosystem of, of leaderboards and microtransactions like that term was used to uh, refer to Hitman with, but... Yeah, anyways, that's that's that. Dragon this Age has all got four. to do... This has definitely got to do something with the whole EA nonsense with Visceral Games last year and the Star Wars game, where they were complaining about single-player experiences obviously not reaping the revenue that mm -hmm. EA are hoping for. And that it seems like at the time, they were all talking about changing almost every 
game within the EA structure to be these sorts of long extended life games like oh, Destiny. Oh, so stuff you think like that. that's where they want to? Anthem wanna... is basically the new Destiny in that that line of genre typed games. Whereas, is this it now? Like even. Even with games, obviously, we saw Star Wars Battlefront 2 have, you know, the single-player campaign, but it was mad by the controversy around the multiplayer. But even with, like, all EA-associated single-player games now, like a Dragon Age, it's going to have this continue-to-play after Destiny-like system. Yeah, they seem to be wanting to clarify that that live, in this case, means continued storytelling after the main story. But then one also has to wonder, oh, that's what what lifestyle games do. And and how, how you could imagine Dragon Age as either... A, a lifestyle game with, with extended in-game content after the main story, or B, a single-player RPG as Dragon Age games traditionally have always been. I, I guess I should clarify, like, single-player story-driven RPG yeah. game. Well, it's an RPG, isn't it? You know. Yeah, and and you can make an RPG last forever. They've well, Skyrim is an is a test. I was gonna say Skyrim is a testament to making a game where the player base continues that on with special, you know, not restrictions, but in special ways through modding and. And Neverwinter Nights was built from the ground up as a more modular platform, kind of a lifestyle game before that was the terminology, the the term. I don't know whether EA's so off-base about some things. They they can't be this off-base. They have incredibly talented people who work at their studios and stuff like that. But do they really think that a game type like Dragon Age can have that without like the negativity from players who are going to want to just play like an RPG? Like The only person I can really think when I think about Dragon Age, because it's a series I've never truly got on with personally as much as I've always wanted to get into it because I love that type of fantasy RPG but my my ex-girlfriend absolutely adored Dragon Age and Mass Effect they were the kind of the only games she played and she played all the way through Dragon Age Inquisition but I can't imagine her wanting or even knowing about like finishing that game and then there being like multiplayer or story based stuff that appears afterwards that you have to either like pay microtransactions for or I could the stuff that just like is like daily quests where you do like you farm like daily quests or something like an MMO like these lifestyle games Inquisition had a bad multiplayer mode tacked on and um the the idea of an endless uh lifestyle game being associated with like a medieval story driven RPG franchise is not Unthinkable. It is kind of appropriate. That's the motif that World of Warcraft and and like yeah, any fantasy medieval. Yeah, but they're completely different games. Rolling off of. I know. I know. I'm just saying it's not that unreasonable to like close your eyes and picture a Dragon Age style MMO. Oh no. I mean, it's working with all the basic archetypes. Yes, but that's like they've said it's well so far. It's been. Quoted as being Dragon Age Four, you know, isn't that like what Diablo is? Is like medieval RPG themed fantasy lifestyle game with with grinding and <laughs> live. Diablo is uh, definitely a lifestyle game, but Diablo isn't as story driven as Dragon Age. Like you yeah. listen to you know you listen to Dead God Kane now and again, 
but it's not the the full action RPG story driven character dialogue that Bioware your, is famous. Your dialogue for. choices don't affect the uh, which which level you go to in the third act. It's definitely gonna cut some quality from the other quest if they're doing some of these side stuff. Like if they are, there's still time to backpedal. This is like early pre-production. I mean, they're talking about this game coming out after their next game, which is unannounced. It's just Anthem right now. We don't know what it's really going to be called. Hmm. Well, I guess they turned KOTOR into an MMO. You know? They could feasibly do something with Dragon Age that's along those lines. But Just not if it's make a up a game. currency and make up a reason why it can only trickle in when you uh, do more stuff in real life than in the game. Yeah, Elder mm. Strolls Online was pretty decent for story and MMO. Uh, even then, they had to like rebuild that one a year after launch. Yeah, it seems but like, it was like Diablo Three. We're still talking about 14. an MMO, a game yeah. that was made to be specifically an MMO, whereas this has been quoted as being Dragon Age Four, like the next mainline game. Not even like a spin-off. Like Inquisition was kind of, I guess, the third Dragon Age, but not. It wasn't title. called Dragon Age Three. Dragon Age no. Two was called Dragon Age Two, and I think, I think there's going to be more more collective memory floating around the brains of humanity of of Inquisition than Dragon Age Two. Yeah, Dragon Age Dragon Age Inquisition reviewed really well and was received excellently. It's I think better so, than two. And it, you know, <laughs> it was also a lot better than Andromeda. Yes, it was. According to critics and players. So Speaking of, of public opinion, like, reversing from, from the review scores into something more, more positive or negative after launch, uh, Destiny 2 seems to be going through the opposite of a process that Destiny 1 went through. I remember Destiny 2 reviewing fairly well. Uh, being talked about fairly positively, yeah. and then two weeks after launch, suddenly that flips, and now I remember I... everyone saying that it fixed the like, and almost mm -hmm. every review was like it fixes the problems that the first game had, and it seems very clearly now, it hasn't done that. Over the past week, a lot of um, more negative stories have been circulating around. One I picked out in particular is a financial story on CNBC saying Destiny 2 is struggling right now. Uh, analysts suspect gamers are leaving over microtransactions. Um, quote, While Call of Duty World War II clearly had a great holiday, which likely sets up a strong franchise for live services revenue in 2018, Destiny 2 is struggling right now with player encouragement appearing to be on the wane. Analyst Doug Groats wrote in a note to clients Tuesday entitled, Destiny is not in a good place. Uh, the reasons this analyst cites uh, include design decisions that have made Destiny 2 a less engaging, less distinctive game than Destiny 1. In particular, key aspects of the D2 endgame feel neutered compared to D1, which I guess <laughs> is an old guy who doesn't play it that much, trying to uh, coalesce internet comments from super hardcore fans who do, connecting the dots with sales numbers that are below whatever they were expecting. Uh, reason number two, microtransaction implementation, while not nearly as problematic as in Star Wars Battlefront 2, has still been a source of player unhappiness. Once again, it's not uneasy to connect that dot across whatever demographic you are playing to. Uh, they also say number three, Bungie, the studio that develops the game, has an apparent urgency in responding to player feedback that has been disappointing. So this is another thing I've been hearing about from much, much more invested superfans who actually know how Destiny works. 
is that uh, Bungie not responding to player feedback is an issue, which is something that's strange for me to imagine. Like, like the one lifestyle game I've gotten into over the past couple years is Rainbow Six Siege, and in that case, you have developers who are members of the Rainbow Six Siege subreddit who regularly answer questions and provide uh, the posts themselves detailing new updates and patch notes. Um, I... I, I guess the lesson there is is putting your community managers on on subreddits outside of your really, game zone forums. It depends on the company. It really depends on the company. It, it, you know, you can have Ubisoft. I guess has multiple studios, and so, so some studios are, are free a little bit to run autonomously to do what they like. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that like a studio like Bungie, which is under Activision. A lot of employees are just not allowed to say anything, especially when stuff is kind of going wrong. So then when it falls to, you know, the community team to say something, I imagine imagine even saying anything has to pass through, like, 50 different people before it's allowed to be posted, and everything has to be checked beforehand. So I imagine there's not this freedom to respond to players, and I can imagine maybe hearing all these complaints... On subreddit, yeah. I'm not saying this is actually the case, but I I can definitely sort of imagine from previous experience of mine working at Rockstar that you there will be people who work at Bungie who'll see all these comments who will want to respond but just can't. And I'm wondering if the game's position as a sequel, as the number two in the trilogy, actually puts developers in a more precarious position over how they want to respond to fan feedback because then. They're going to have to wonder if everything they say is going to come to bite them back in the ass whenever Destiny 3 gets start, gets put in the marketplace and becomes floating around. Like, what, what commitments or promises could they end up breaking when attempting to fix Destiny 2 on their way to 3 and vice versa after it comes out? Uh, the analyst says until recently, Bungie did a poor job communicating its roadmap going forward, particularly compared to the more open stances of many other live service games. And if you remember in Destiny 1, I believe they were hyping up um, the Taken King being kind of a rebuild of that game and fixing up a lot yeah, of the problems. That, that received like really good reviews. Because that's when King Destiny was 1 was... When you, if you yeah, that's when played from it was supposed to get good. Yeah, if you played from like the from the start um like your first time with destiny was the taken king you enjoyed that experience especially if you're playing with a couple friends even better but you know if you take that experience and you go to destiny 2 and you play through that game and you see that it's kind of built around you know we were just talking about the live um the live feel of the game where you have these quests that are not the main quest that's all destiny 2 is like there's a bunch of them and you have the story There's quest, just and like you have no, side. so there isn't any sort of urgency to the story or anything. Not I don't really, really no. know anything about Destiny. I mean, you you uh, you want to play the story, of course, but it, it's you could you could go off and just do all these little side quests and grind out some extra gear to make the story quest. Yeah, so easier. basically, there there just isn't a reason to keep playing, like at the moment. Well, unless you want to, unless you want gear. Because that, that's what Destiny is all about, you, is the gear. All, yeah, but why? It, it's that Di- Diablo 3 thing when Diablo 3 came out. It's like, you know, getting gear for what, though? Okay, so what? how they separate it is that you play the story and then 
you grind out strikes to get a certain light level and then when you get to a certain light level you can do nightfalls strikes are like dungeons i would say you know you do it with yeah. two other dudes and um or gals and you grind out some light and then you go to uh nightfall which is kind of same thing it's just harder uh different maps and stuff and then you do some raids and you get like the top of the line gear it's 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 an mmo it's a it's an mmo you every light um i guess treadmill not treadmill but like um requirement you go to the next step up and then you just keep grinding out that same nightfall over and over again you keep grinding out that same strike you know you just keep moving up until you eventually get the gears that you want and then um, there's different uh, gears that, uh, like guns, exotics, uh, guns, uh, different plates of armor that give you special abilities that you can only wear one of and you can collect those. And it okay, will totally so, change the play style of that character. Yeah, but what you're saying, though, well, from what I gather, is that you do all this, but the only thing you can really do is, like, shitty side quests and like you just do them continually so it's like why get yeah. better gear if the quests aren't fun to do well is that is that what is that what people's problem is like there is just like no it, enjoyable end game to destiny 2 i played a little bit of destiny before uh taking king and i just didn't like it and then i played with taking king with a friend really enjoyed that experience like it, it felt nice it felt like i was going somewhere um it had a you know a decent story the the story i mean it looked really good it, the, the game looks really good especially i was playing on the xbox one i didn't know xbox one was capable of anything um and <laughs> and the game looked really good and it was fun to play when you play destiny 2 it, it feels like it's missing all of that um it feels like more of the same like I was saying back at on TOVG podcast, it's it looks like more of the same, but except a, a little less magic, you know. Yeah, <laughs> if that makes any sense, you know, just a, just a little little less magic, a little less intense moments that you you really care about. Like there, it gets a little intense like at the end, and the story, the story has always been a little shite, but. Like, this story, when they, they're tying all these other characters from Destiny 1, they really messed up. Like, like the speaker and all that. Like, I was just like, you just, you get unattached to it. And you're just like, okay, I'm just going to shoot some guys. Oh, at least the shooting feels good. You know, and that's, that's pretty much it. it it's, it's the type of game that like you a- play, and then you just kind of, you just stop playing. For no apparent this- reason, you just... Yeah, I've heard like I've heard a lot of people say that it's like the best Skype method. Like essentially people who just want to catch up, you know, if they're going to talk over Skype anyway, they'll talk over Destiny and they'll just like yeah. mindlessly rinse through stuff on Destiny together whilst catching up a lot and of not really paying attention to the game. Sounds like opinions that I was hearing when Destiny 1 first came out. Mhm. And then it's going like, to release like some regards... expansion packs, and then it's going to get better, and then that's how it goes. Yeah, but at least the gunplay is good. It's it's like an, an okay Skype room. It's it's more fun with friends like everything, including boiling yourself alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's destiny. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 um, I got it. I Oh, that's sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 got, it, I got it for free. 
with with like a, a little graphics card deal i was like yeah that's okay with me i didn't pay 60 dollars for it i know that's a bad way to think about it it's like <coughs> graphics cards deals are always a, a safe way to uh test out whatever the the hype new tech demo game is yeah also assassin's I creed as well and i, I just <laughs> stopped playing that too i was just like oh yeah this uh, i can't get back into this I'm done. I haven't so, bought a game. I haven't bought a graphics card in so long that the free game I got was Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> oh wow! Infinite. Yo, I got a uh, GeForce ninety two hundred. I think, or it was either a GeForce nine or GeForce eight series back in the day. The oh no, it, way it, before that, it, best graphics eight, card. So it's seven or, or nine. Well, well, I actually have a better one. That that was Just Cause 2. That was a good graphics card game. Best graphics card game I ever got was Hitman Contracts with a Ooh. NVIDIA 6800. I think this was back during the NVIDIA 6, the GeForce 6 series. Mm. Contracts. Um, wait, did I say Contracts? I meant Blood Money. Okay, good. Okay, because I want to yeah. play that game. <laughs> Blood they money. they wanted to show off how how wrinkly everyone's jackets could get in this this brave new sixth generation of of console graphics. So so Blood Money was was the game for that deal, and that was a damn good. Anyways, speaking of games that become complete with DLCs that that get launched after the game itself. Um, if you played a Hat in Time over the past year, you might have noticed that it's not a long game. It can be completed. And I want to say less than 10 hours. It certainly can be beaten to the story mode in about 5 hours. It is going to be getting a uh, new chapter, a new game plus mode, and a co-op mode via some free DLC packages. They had Kickstarter promises that this stuff relates to. They had a poll, actually. If they wanted to release the game early in, 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 in a, a quote-unquote unfinished state, though, that, were, that what they released is totally fine. But, uh, yeah, uh, A Hat in Time is going to be a super-duper good game to play. Once this stuff comes out, I'm going to start making a lot of content about it at that point. But it's been one of my favorite games of the past year. Super tight, technical, hat-themed platformer. Uh, <laughs> what is the best hat-themed platformer of 2017? I don't know. You decide. This was a year where we had two really good hat-themed pla- throwback 90s nostalgia platformers. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, I really fans. Need to play a hat in time. I really need everyone to play. does. It it flew under the radar, and it's seriously just like a a you good ass fun time. I think so. Yeah, I've really? I've heard very few heard people s- talking about it. I've heard the opposite. Like I I feel like I'm the only person who hasn't played it. Maybe your friends have better taste than my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my friends. Well, uh, yeah, but but you guys have. We all have our own circles, we right? Played it. It's real good. Uh, the <laughs> there are some optional levels that I think are some of like my most favorite 3D platforming l- levels in general of of all time. Like the scooter ones in particular, where you're like listening to some kick-ass '90s synth wave with with this uh, cute little scooter in a in a chill-out zone. That's just like this ambiguous floaty obstacle course of platform challenges coming at you with soothing, enjoyable music, with a soothing, enjoyable character whose little scooter moves along at a soothing, enjoyable pace. The whole thing is just like this honest, fun exploration of 90s platformer, um, um, 
archetypes and styles in a way that plays way better than the 90s platformers themselves. And in fact, in many ways, like there's a few moves that the hat girl is a little better at pulling off than, than Mario. Anyways, um, last but not least, Ooh. fans are remaking PT for PC. And a couple of them you can download and play right now for free. DSO Gaming has a real good write-up of uh, three of them. The first one is actually called Corridors. They are distributing it as a freeware Unreal Engine 4, 4 game. I've given it a twirl. I went through just a couple loops of the PT hallway. I don't know if some of the fancier scripted events, like uh, like like stuff with the peephole or or sprinting with like shaky vibrating red vision is a thing that's fully been implemented yet but they have the map down pat the map looks pretty much just like how i remember pt actually looking in pt itself mm. and, i and mean even... they could have just like streamed a video and yeah. recreated it one for one People it was having... just a corridor but the, but there was uh, some scripting tricks going on in that corridor later. The further deeper down you get into PT, there's some portals that uh, fizzle in and out different versions of that hallway. Like, I, if you go all the way through, it starts doing this really weird thing where your vision turns red and your character starts sprinting instead of their, their little slow shamble walk and the music gets weird. And that's some um, aspect of... That, that's some, like, lower-level scripting engine stuff that might be harder to recreate in a project from scratch. But the hallway itself seems seems safely replicatable. And it mm. looks real good. Like, like, as good as the PS4 version. If not slightly worse, because now my, my, my face is right up into the screen and I can look at the low resolution textures at a at a fidelity I was not able to before. But anyways, um the second uh project they go through is is a straight one-to-one -one remake. The third is a professional quality one-to-one -one remake that was released just as a portfolio project on the guy's resume. It is not going to be getting publicly released and that's what a lot of PT projects could probably fall victim to is uh copyright issues from from artists who don't want to put it out and someone at some point in history should totally take that bullet and maybe after a few years have passed and this all settles down people can just play through pt again but but as a a extremely faithful one-to-one -one pc remake rather than the ps4 version which is likely to die and go away forever as soon as people start Wouldn't you rather just see these people their... make like a new game, a complete new game inspired by PT instead of I, just playing I, I PT. I would. I, I would like to PT have both. It was great as an experience and as this weird meta social media thing that Kojima did. But, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't even a full game. It was a demo. It'd be cool to see people take that demo and then change oh, kind of maybe it's... try to emulate what they saw with the trailer at the end and then I, I think it's also version. important to preserve history you know like like I get, I get evidence that, that I get this that. big the big the big publicity stunt that was PT actually happened and there is no better evidence of that than a playable version of PT that but there exists will always in the same be state it did in 2015 PS4s that have PT because that was gold 
Which means that, that, that my PS4 is gonna gonna get saved forever. I am not touching that thing. But yeah, so no, I think it's really it like one to one in you know Unreal and releasing on PC I, is kind of you know not for history, more for an experiment. I think it's it's still a noble endeavor to some extent. I think that there should be a publicly available version of PT out there somewhere mm. at any given point in history going forwards. Once someone makes one good one, we can put the the effort behind us. But there's also efforts to hack the PS4 version and and get that playable outside of the kind of walled garden that is Konami's submissions to the PS, uh, PSN store. And that might be an option in the future. But no, no, like, PT's gotta be around somewhere, guys, right? Can we... Is this... This is something I feel strongly about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love... I, I wish I could just play PT. Um when my friends come over and scare the crap out of them because they... It's so fun it, showing people PT. If yeah. anything, PT could continue to exist as a, like, living room spectacle game. It's it's good fun for that. Yeah, definitely is. Oh, the drill is still going on. Oh my god! <laughs> so, uh, this week we do not have uh, listener emails. We have Liam trying to get us to guess something. Uh, do we have a na- Can the name for this game be Guess That Game or something? Just including the or something at the end? We can call it whatever you like. <laughs> Dad. It's dad it's game. that thing. It's da- dad feud. <laughs> <laughs> dad feud. Okay. Dad. Wait, wait. We feud. have we have two dads now, or three, or one. You decide. You oh decide. You decide. Oh Here, hero, that dad, and sons. <laughs> uh, that's kind of driving a lot of people crazy. They ju- they want to know so badly. It's so funny. Like like uh, the great illusionist J J Abrams. Or um, or or the Half Life writers, uh, uh, Mark Laidlaw and, and Steve Wozniak. I I prefer to keep mysteries unsolved here on the TOVG podcast. We don't we don't want to we don't want to make a uh, Dad and Sons Solid Four Dads of the Patriots, mm. where we wrap up every <laughs> single loose ang- loose end of our stupid silly questions with the stupid silly explanations. But we have a stupid silly question that we got to answer. And Liam, Liam, you're the practitioner of the stupid, silly question. I am. I'm the moderator for, what are we calling it? The, the uh, dad feud? The, the, the thing. Yeah, the feud thing. The game. The game. We have the game. And this week, we thought we'd try it a little <laughs> Thanks, different. Triple H. We had some suggestions from people. Uh, still, once again, we got suggestions from people. Oh, where, now it's about to get stupid. Where they posted the title. Mm-hmm. In the very first sentence, making it super easy to read in emails. So don't do that. But but I have not clicked on any emails. Any emails no, that have the word like trivia or game in the subject line, yes. I have not seen. Also, try to start with your hints from the first one to the fifth one. The first one being rather easy, and then getting harder instead of a little mess of facts. <laughs> but we still appreciate you. This is all polite. This is all constructive feedback. It's constructive feedback indeed. But this week, we have a game that comes from Dominique Barlow. Dominique Barlow, thank you for your suggestion. Oh, uh, Dominique so, Barlow, yo, fuck you. <laughs> so, 
Let's hope you can fuck with... Um, he does say, quote, Hope I get to hear George kicking himself over this one. Yo, Dominique, you, you a scrub. Put, see, see what it's like in my shoes, Dominique. He doesn't say anything about Matt, so maybe Matt, you and Dominique are cool. Um, <laughs> sure. What's up, Dominique? What's up? What's going on, yeah? Well, we'll see how this goes. Or girl. So, on, for anyone who doesn't... No, no, it's a, it's a guy. <laughs> a profile picture. <laughs> he has a photo. Oh, okay. Um, so... We, for anyone who doesn't know, and this is the first time listening, the game, the Dad Feud game, uh, is a series of questions that I ask Matt and George uh, and you guys at home uh, to guess from some clues what game or character or topic we're talking about. Today is obviously a game that comes from Dominique. Um, so and, and I, I can't wait to see how like stupidly obscure it's going to get with, with these fan submissions. It's going to be very intriguing because I don't think I would get this personally. And also, the the uh, no, because I'm giving clues away already. No, I'm not doing this. No, it's Dominique's game. Okay, so it's game. something that Liam's it's not Dominique's into. Dominique's game. It. Yeah. Okay. Ready. Right. So, you guys ready? Yep. Ready. Ready. I'm, I'm okay. strapped in. I have... So, clue number one. I have my feet in the Dominique, stirrups. Is that this game is a reboot... Of a beloved franchise. Okay. Okay. That's it. That's hint number one. All right. Any that, any that takers does on not hint number narrow one. it down. Considering we live in an era of reboots and remasters, uh, yeah, do you want to touch Crash a lot Bandicoot? Of no. Of course not. Okay. Why would it be that? George, I am not gonna attempt that. That okay. is far too broad. Hint number two. Okay. Released. In December 2008. Okay. PlayStation 3. There we and go. Xbox 360. Oh, no. And PC. I lost already. Okay. Oh, no. 2008 reboot of a below. So that was the year Metal Gear Solid 4 came out. We were still pretty early into the 6th gen, and it was a reboot of a beloved franchise. I believe, I think Bayonetta came out that year too. Multi platform, PS3. Oh no! Is it? Oh, Bomberman R came out before then, right? It's not Bomberman, no. Okay, well that was my guess. Matt, do you want to have a stab in the dark? A remake? What were remakes it's a reboot. in two thousand? Yeah, it's, it's a remake, I guess. Oh, a and reboot, it was a different a Bomberman I was thinking of. I don't know. You have to give me another one. You have to give me another clue. Okay. So we're heading into hint number three. Good job so far, Dominique. Oh, God. So the proof of concept art for this game was leaked mm -hmm. two years before its release. Oh okay. Oh, what a clue. Oh, my God. Woo. So let's yeah, see. Yeah, that got 2006. hard. There would have been. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> So, it seems so, you are not cool with Matt Dominique. I'm 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 seems not. I'm giving it a stab. We got a big story of a concept art leak in 2006 leading up to a reboot of a beloved franchise in 2008 for the big platforms of the time including PC. Uh stalker half-life no 
portal. No. Mega Man. What was Mega Man doing around that time? I think, yeah, Mega Man stuff did not come out on PC, so that's not going to be it. Um, <laughs> I, are you laughing? <laughs> no, I'm just uh, just enjoying this. Oh, God. I, um, I... Tomb Raider. What was Tomb Raider doing? Tomb, Tomb Raider did get a Ooh, reboot, but that, that wasn't until quite a bit after this. Tomb Raider... So, One, so two. like, the, the 6th Gen Tomb Raiders aren't considered reboots, okay. No, they are reboots, but they didn't come out until 2010, or 11, I forget. Or even 12, I can't remember. Let's see, Let's see. what did I play for my 360 in 2008? I know, right? There was I can't believe this game came out in 2008. So close to MGS4, that's really weird. So, is it... Halo. Okay, I'm ready for the next clue. Um, yeah, I, Halo hadn't gotten any reboots. Nah, I've I've I played I played I played a mm. lot of games. I, I this is a good one. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. I really like these years we're tossing around. Two thousand six to two thousand eight were like those were years I paid very close attention to. I'm gonna dive deep. Go ahead. Give, give me a next one. Next clue. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Clue number four. Oh. It's a game released by Ubisoft. Oh, it features oh. the vocal talents of Nolan North. Oh. Playing a character that wears a long, flowy purple and red band. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was so obvious. Yeah, I guess it's just because it's a franchise. I know why. I haven't. I forgot about this because I didn't play this game in particular out of the franchise. I didn't uh, play it at all. What is it? It's uh, the Prince of Persia reboot. It is what? the Prince of Persia what? reboot. I actually yeah, like, no I was, way. It's it's the I know, it's right? the it's the, the cell shaded one? Yeah, Damn it's the cell shaded one. Oh. And you know, I, I the reason I don't know that one is because it's like the one I haven't played. I've I find it amazing. I really enjoyed that game. I can't I find it amazing that George got that from Ubisoft and Nolan North. I found that amazing. Well, then you get further hammered he's at home with like the in. long, flowy garb. He's, he's I'm not. I didn't it. Google it. it he he got I, a new I, keyboard. He think I didn't see it. He got a new keyboard that's very silent. <laughs> yeah, you did I, I see it because you're over there. You're you're I all the way that the way. I added the flowy the flowy headband thing because it was fucking hard. <laughs> I added that yeah, to make it, it was, a little easier. Oh it was at God. Ubisoft Nolan North that I was like, oh. Really? Nolan North voiced every video game character from 2008 to 2013. I'm yeah, but Ubisoft didn't make that many like big headline-stealing hits in 2008 that were reboots of beloved franchises that came out for all the multi-platform usual suspects. Didn't Assassin's Creed 2 come out in 2008? Yeah, but that's not a reboot. What, what, what's up with your brain? Like, you just remember this stuff? Like, what, what, do you, what do you eat, breathe, and sleep? Video game? What's going on over there? Are you sniffing some You guys have heard me, like, try there? to talk about TV, and I can't do it. I don't know what a Marvel is. Like, my brain space really is mostly video games. Jesus. Totally. Well, Dominique, you didn't get George kicking, but you certainly got Matt kicking, so good job. I don't job. know. Thank I'm still sad much. that I didn't get it sooner. I feel like that was a... The thing is, is that we're always shocked by, like, how mainstream and normal of a franchise it is. Because Prince of Persia was a huge deal. Like, that was, like, the sixth gen's Assassin's Creed. They they had they were churning those out every every year and a half. A new uh, Prince of Persia would come out, and, and they weren't bad. They're... 
I mean, kind of a downward spiral since the first game, but none of them are, like, bad, bad. Sands of time. Just, I remember that game being pretty pretty good. Warrior I mean, Within is the weakest like link, but... Action platformer game at the time. Oh, generic. It looked cool, well, though, graphically. Yeah, I don't know how generic the reboot was, but Sands of Time was, like, a damn good time. I played through that one twice and thoroughly enjoyed it both times. I uh, touched Warrior Within and the Two Thrones, but the one, the Cell Shaded reboot is like the one that had escaped me, and I guess by then it didn't look like it was bringing enough to enough new compared to uh, the direction the series had gone in before. Also, it was pretty quick for a reboot, because uh, Warrior Within, let's see, that was like 2004, Sands of Time was like 2003, and this was 2008, so unless... And in about, if not slightly less than half a decade, they were already rebooting one of their new franchises. That doesn't exactly... Which itself was already a reboot of an old, a much older franchise. And and I guess all of that didn't inspire much confidence in me at the time to give it a try. Dominique, you can well, suck some Dominic, okay? <laughs> Dominique, so much, I Dominique, still love for you. for your suggestion. And if I you do... You. If you do want to send us a, a suggestion, like a, a, an even better one than that, because that was a damn pretty good one. It was good. Uh, send that us was to dadandsonspodcast at gmail.com. And also emails. Send us those, because yes. next week is the email show. Next week, we will be answering your emails <laughs> on the email show. <laughs> I love... I don't know. That's, that's a combination of words that just strikes me as funny somehow. The email show. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. We're gonna head out um, and play some games. I'm gonna be hopping on to Stardew Valley. I'm thinking about finishing it actually fairly quickly, and Is then I'm gonna finish? get Prey a whirl. Uh, well, the community center can be finished. Oh, you can you can finish your collectathon, and 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 I think that's when I'm gonna put it down. Is once that community center is done. Oh, but I. Uh, you should probably try to I'm finish gonna... Salary Man because uh, we're oh. still on this. <laughs> uh, Liam, you're Speaking giving Dragon Speaking of Salary Ball Man, Z. I'm actually looking for more people to demo oh. it. So if you're interested, hit me up on Twitter. Hit mm-hmm. me up. And I'll also, send you the demo. games for my inbox. This is still going to be going live before I have my next game for my inbox out. So send my inbox games. What is uh, Salary Man? Yeah. So oh, Nice. That- if that wraps up everything, I think uh, we are good to go. And God, I be hope free that, like, and be merry. Finishes sometime. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, is that the end? Is, is, that, the, is yeah. that the spot? The sponsor? The sponsor? Sponsor to they you? Put the sponsor in. It's the Wonder Boner. You laugh now. Just watch. You just assemble the Wonder Boner stainless steel rods like this, take the fish, find the top of the spine.